Hey there, I'm Ian. And I'm Rachel. And we want to welcome you to our Building Contenders podcast. Here we share messages, sermons, and our weekly conversations to equip you to contend for the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy it. Blessings. Blessings. All right, let's, let's just pray. So Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing on the earth at this minute in time. Right, right now at this minute in time that you are... Uh, it seems opening up things that have previously just been hidden and never seen before. And God, we just bless you. We bless your hand on the earth. We bless your hand in our lives in Jesus' name. Uh, so I, I want to talk about building, building reps, building reps. Not not like or, you know, not like CrossFit or weightlifting or anything like that, but just building reps with the Lord, building a history uh, with God. Um, I want to read. This is. Um, this is from First Chronicles, I, I believe it is. This is from First Chronicles 29. Uh, then King David said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the temple is not for mankind, but for the Lord God. Now with all my ability, I have provided for the house of my God, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and and inlaid stones, stones of antimony and stones of various colors and all kinds of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. In addition, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God, my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple, namely 3,000 talents of gold, I think it came, I think I worked it out, it was like $40 billion worth of gold um, from the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings, gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver. That is for all the work done by the craftsmen, who, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. And, and really what's going on at this time is that David is getting ready to, um, David is getting ready to, um, pass on his kingdom, pass on his his kingship to his son Solomon, and and in the process he's kind of saying, okay, we're in a transition, and you're absolutely right, my son doesn't know what he's doing. Um, that doesn't seem a very sort of like uh, reassuring message, but yes, you're absolutely right, my son doesn't know what he's doing. But let me tell you what I've done up to this up to this point. I've read some people say that you know what David is doing is he's actually pointing to God. But this sort of opening thing is just I think reminding people of of the the sort of sacrifices that David himself has made, and again saying that this is all God's work. This is the hand of God. This is God's temple. It's not for man, etc., 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 etc. Now, now we go on, and he then goes into this whole spiel about asking his people to be generous, you know, because for all things come from you and from your hand, we have given to you for we are strangers before you and temporary residents as all our fathers were. Our days in the earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that you've provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand. Everything is yours. So again, he's just reminding that reminding the people um, you know where this all where this all came from, and and it finishes, and it finishes, and they made Solomon the son of King David, 
king a second time, and they anointed him as a ruler for the Lord and Zadok as priest. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of his father David, and he prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. And all the officials, the mighty men, and also all the sons of King David pledged allegiance to King Solomon. And the Lord highly honored Solomon in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him royal majesty, which had not been bestowed on any king before him in Israel, even his dad. There were only two kings before him. Now David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. The period which he reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned in Hebron seven years and in Jerusalem 33 years. Then he died at a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor, and his son Solomon reigned in his place. Now the acts of King David from the first to the last are written in the Chronicles of Samuel the seer, in the Chronicles of Nathan the prophet, and the Chronicles of Gad the seer. And with all his reign, his power, and the circumstances which came upon him, Israel and all the kingdoms of the land. So you got this. You got this story that David is about to, you know, give this legacy. I, I think that's kind of very kingdom. I think that's what we're told to do is, is to leave a, le a legacy. We're supposed to be leaving a legacy. And in order to leave a legacy, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to build something. We're going to have to build a history. So so let, let me take you sort of into David's, David's a timeline of David's life. So he was probably born a couple of years after Saul became king. Uh, he was anointed when he was around seven years old, six, seven, eight years old. He was anointed by Samuel as the next king. Now, now remember, remember what that what that was like. So he's, you know, the prophet comes to the comes to the house. Look, and the prophet's told to go to this house. Uh, where are your sons? And David is out in the fields looking after the sheep. He's just this young boy who's out in the fields looking after the sheep and was completely ignored. Um, but that time was a time where he was building a history. So he's building his history right there, the shepherd, right? Uh, David, the shepherd, is building a history and building reps with God. And and this history would actually come up, come, come to... Uh, his benefit later on, um, because about five was it? Yeah, but five years after that, um, he goes and me. So sorry, I think he's. I I said he was seven or eight. I don't I don't think that's true. I think he was about thirteen or so when he was anointed. Um, and then about five years after that, when he's eighteen, he goes on to Goliath, and he meets Goliath. And here you have this fighting a giant. Here you have David fighting a giant, and, and he's basing it on, on all his experience as a shepherd. He even uses shepherd's weapons. He doesn't use the weapons of the army. He uses the weapons that he's familiar with through building a history. Now, that, that, that's important, right? You're, you're, you're using the weapons that you're familiar with by building a history by using those weapons. Okay. So you're building a history using the weapons that that you use in your in, in your life. You're not using somebody else's weapons. So he goes to Goliath, and he's enraged because again he also has a history with the Lord. He has this history of of uh, devotion with the Lord, and he's incensed by this Philistine, who is also then you've got the whole prophetic aspect of of this giant, this this descendant of the Nephilim, you know, this descendant of the enemies of God. Um, actually standing and confronting the, the people 
of God. And you've got that whole sort of prophetic thing, that whole mandate to clean the earth, to have governance of the earth, dominion of the earth, all that kind of stuff happening. But but he's using the weapons that he's used to using. And he's fighting the battles that he's used to fighting. So he's not actually going to fight another battle. You know, he's he's actually killed lions and bears at this point. So uh, in tending his sheep. And I think it's really, really easy for us to be in a season where it looks like it's wilderness. When it's not wilderness, it's preparation. Right? It's not wilderness. You're actually being prepared to, to use the weapons that you're going to use later. And those weapons are uniquely yours. And the skills that you have are, are you. So, so we can't. We, we can't actually look at seasons where we're out tending sheep as being a waste of time. You know, just nobody knows me. Nobody knows that I'm not making any impact. I'm not going to leave any legacy. We can't use, we, we can look at that two ways. We can say, oh, this is a waste of time or I'm being prepared. And, and, and the, the preparation is the weapons that you use. So so it is it is using these these smooth stones. And I want to suggest that the weapons that we use in our times of preparation are our speech and our thinking, that it's honing those weapons of our speech and our thinking. It's getting our thinking aligned with heaven, not with earth. We have to bring our thinking and our speech in line with heaven. It has to be aligned with heaven, right? I can look at it that the glass is half full or half empty when the truth is the glass the glass is 100% full. It's not. It's not half full. It's 100%. It's got half water and half air, right? It's full of something. It's getting, it's pushing through all the emotions. It's pushing through all the history in order to build a new history. That we have to build this history of victory and overcoming in the Lord. So, so you have David then, then goes through after, like, I don't know what it's like to be a shepherd boy in the you know, in the in wherever wherever it is he was in the wilderness there looking after your sheep and goats and whatever else was there and sleeping with them and smelling like them. And I, I don't no idea what that was like. I don't know why you'd let your son do it, um, unless there was something you didn't anyway. There are some spec there is some speculation that David was probably illegitimate because of you know keeping him outside and forgetting about him and not being proud of him and all that kind of stuff. So um so, so we we have this young man who is building up reps, who is building a history of using the weapons instead of looking around at the circumstances going, this is terrible. How can I get out of this? I mean, you know, I, I, I love the fact that Jesus calmed a storm, but he only calmed the storm that he slept in. Right. Maybe we only have authority over the storms that we have complete peace in because they're not going to do anything. Right. So Jesus actually slept in the storm and had authority over the storm. I would love it if we could just go and rebuke all storms in our lives and the storms would happen. But that doesn't seem to be the order of it, because I think what God wants us to do, and I'm not saying he brings us into sickness and all of that, I don't believe that's true. But I think he'll bring us into trials in order in order to bring a testing to see if we're going to get stronger. Like you bring it, he'll bring he'll allow circumstances to come into your life just simply and allow us to make decisions just simply to say like, are you are you getting stronger? And when I when I look at that, I look at the 
I look at building a history with the Lord, you know, for us, I think for Rachel and I, it's been super important to build a history because we want more. We don't want less. I don't want a comfortable, quiet life. And that doesn't mean I want chaos and I want that, but I want excitement. I want it to be amazing. I want to be moving from victory to victory, glory to glory. That's the promise that, that we have as believers. But in order for, to move from glory to glory, you're going to have to be equipped. You're going to have to be trained. And you're not going to get that equipment and training when you go to the next place. You're, you're Well, you'll get some of it, but you're going to actually have to use what you've got right now. Like I would say that one of the biggest principles of the kingdom is what you what you do with what you have and what you do with that that belongs to another people another person will actually determine whether you're going to be given more. So what you do with what you have at the minute. So if you're stuck in the middle of, I can't see six feet ahead of me, I don't know what's happening. If you're stuck right in that place, it is vital that you and I, and we're in it. Like I'm, I'm, for those that are close to us, you know that we're right in the middle of this. Like we, 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 we don't know so many things. Um, and but but it is the principle of like if if I steward what God has given me, if I can steward what God has given me right now, and, I, and I'm not going bleak, and I'm not with my thinking and my speech, I'm not going doom and gloom. Oh my goodness, this always happens. Oh my goodness, why is this happening to us? Why does it not happen to all these other people? Oh Lord, just make it easy. Would you just press the easy button for us? And, and God said, no, no, I want you to build the strength here. I want you to build the strength of knowing that he's good and kind and patient and loving and all that. I want you to build those. I want you, here's, here's what I think he's doing with many of us at the minute and maybe has been doing for a, a few years, certainly the last couple. He's building the capacity in each one of us to believe that no matter what happens, it's going to be amazing. No matter what happens, even though you might have to come through hell and high water, where you're going is amazing, that you're going to thrive more than you ever expected. And I want to get there with the attitude of, of the, I want to arrive there with the attitude of, I knew this all along. I, I knew this, I knew this all along, right? I knew that this was going to happen all along. That, that's what I, I don't want it to be a surprise. I don't want to get there and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I can't believe everything that he promised me is actually true and everything he's promised has actually happened. Oh, I can't believe it. No, I want to be there saying, I knew it. I knew it. I knew he had my back. I knew he had me, right? I knew he had me in the palm of his hand. It's, it's make, making those strength of character. And listen, I'm not talking about not smoking, drinking, and going with bad women, not that, although they're really good ideas as well. But that's not the character I'm talking about. I'm talking about the character that can only be forged in the fires of Mount Doom. The ubiquitous Tolkien reference, right? That's the character. It's the character that can only be, that, that can only be formed under heavy, heavy heat and pressure. And it's the character that says, okay, I know God. I don't know what's all happening right now. I have no clue, but I know who God is. And it's building that history. And listen, for some of us, that means 
you know, living paycheck to paycheck and you're believing God at the end of every month and, and you're a week away and you're still believing God. And that's that's what it looks like. And for others, it's with health. And for others, it's with relationships. For others, it's with the destiny stuff we're having to believe. And, and honestly, it feels no different. Listen, <laughs> it for, for when you're believing God for the $20, it feels no different than believing God for the $2 million. It feels equally as impossible. When you're believing God for the headache, it feels no different than believing God for something more serious. feels no different. It's still a stretch. It still feels unbelievable. It still feels like it would never happen. Like God will do it for everybody else, but not for me, right? It, you still come up against those old lies, those old lies that, that keep creeping up and keeping you stuck. But what's happening is you're actually getting larger. You're getting larger every time that you're growing. Like your muscles, your faith muscles, your history is getting larger every single time because you're doing this with the Lord. You think of, you think of David and David, my goodness, he blows me away. Like David has, David has, his best friend's dad coming to kill him. Like Saul's coming to kill David and he's chasing him around and David actually has the opportunity to end it and end him and he chooses not to. And he responds really well. He has this character that has been tried in the fire and the, you know, in the flames of mountain. And, you know, he's, he's anointed once as king, he's anointed twice as king. And then finally he's anointed the third time as king. And even when, you know, even when he's king over, you know, part of the land, then Saul's son is king over the northern territory. And then it just becomes, it just, it just seems to be delay after delay after delay after delay. And here you have the man after God's own heart. You know, in the, you know, there's that, there's that bit in where he gets his friend Uriah um, killed where he actually murders his friend Uriah. And it says in the Talmud that what he did was responded to the knowledge that um, the future king would be born to Uriah's wife and, you know, that they were going to have a, ch a child, that David and Bathsheba were going to have a child together. So um, instead of allowing God to work it out, he took it into his own hands and all this. And there, the Talmud is an interesting, you know, uh, take on it that even Uriah blasphemed or not blasphemed was treasonous towards David and all this kind of stuff. So they have a kind of work around for that, which I don't know if it's true, but it's interesting. But you've got this, this guy who, uh, you know, it seems apart from that one incident is the man after God's own heart. And he's familiar. You can read the Psalms and he's familiar with wrestling things out with God because he starts in a certain place. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he starts there and he actually ends up going, oh, you never did forsake me. You were with me all the time, et cetera, et cetera. And he always managed to resolve it. Listen, if you don't know what God's doing in your life at the minute, I'll, I will tell you now with as much certainty as I can muster, that's what's happening. He has got you in a place so that you can adjust your thinking to align with your glorious future. That these present circumstances, right? These present circumstances don't mean anything compared to the glory that, that's awaiting for us. 
And yes, that might be in heaven, but I also think it's right here. And that in that Chronicles piece, David talks about God giving riches and honor and blessings and all this kind of stuff. And that's really what God wants to do is, is, is pour out on all his children uh, the goodness of a good father. So we get to do that. We, we get to build those reps. We get to kill our giants. We get to kill our giants so that we can go and kill the other four. Right? We get to kill our giants so that we can completely defeat the enemy. We get, to, we get to build these reps. We get to be in what looks and feels and seems like, you know, dead-end streets. These cul-de-sacs that we come into our lives, these things where all the pressure seems to be coming in from all directions. And promise me, I, I promise you, I know it. When all this pressure is coming from all sides, and it requires you to dig into something that was a little bit of a reminder of what you did the last time when it seemed a lot smaller. And it is building those reps. It's building the reps of knowing and being absolutely convinced that God is good, his intentions towards you are good, and he is always moving on your behalf, always moving on your behalf, that he's not taking a break, he's not taking a coffee break and working on something over here. He's always moving. On, on your behalf. So building history. The, the reality is that we're asking for more. Not not Rachel and me, although that's true as well, but as, as a church and certainly as a nation here in the U.S., we're asking for something way more that only a move of God will bring. Um, there's a there's a Norwegian guy called uh, Hig. And I think it's in the late 1830, 19th century, he started this revival in Norway. And there's a whole lot, whole lot about it. But basically, what he was, what he was doing was, was preaching a message that you should bloom where you're planted. My words, not his. That everybody is a minister of the gospel. I mean, of course, we know that from the Reformation, but everybody is a minister of the gospel. And even though there was a Norwegian state church, it was... Or because there was a Norwegian state church, it was illegal to preach outside of a Norwegian state church without having a Norwegian um, clergy present. And he would just go and preach, and he preached to people, and they got saved. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was a, you know, he had this encounter, this charismatic encounter that changed his life when he was twenty-five, and he just preached the gospel. But here's here's the thing that even during the Napoleonic Wars, they. They let him out of jail at one point so they so they could fix the country. He was in prison. They brought him out so that he could actually fix the country, fix the business world in the country. Because you've the Napoleonic Wars going on, and then there's this British blockade that that was affecting um, Norway and their salt trade and all this. It's all history. I don't know a lot about it. But I know what they did when that blockade was on. They brought him out to fix the salt stuff so that the, the country would prosper. And here's the thing. Even in a time of global war, uncertainty, recession, Norway prospered because of the revival that this man brought to people. This is what we're contending for. Like Ultimately, this is kind of what we're going for. We're asking a lot from God. Like a lot, we're asking him to move in ways that I have never seen. You know, we were, Rachel has some friends in at the minute. They're a bunch of crazy prophets. And they're all doing, they're all getting drunk in the spirit, to be truthful. Um, 
And you know, one of them came and shared this testimony that that her and her husband have just have just got. I have never heard of anything like it happening in my 42 years as a believer. Never heard anything like it. I've heard people saying they would do something like this um, it, when they finally win the lottery, but I've never heard of the testimony that this person received, never once. Um, I've heard people giving testimonies and, you know, but not, not, to, not of something of this magnitude. I think that's the season we're in. I think we're in a season where we're going to start seeing God do things that we've never seen him do before. I, I want to just prophesy that over all of you, that you are in a season where you're going to see, where you're going to see God move on your behalf in a way that you've never seen him do that before. This, this thing that you've hoped, you know, there's these things, you know, where, you know, we really want this, but we say we want this just because, you know, we've never seen this before. I think we're moving into a season. Honestly, I think we're moving into a season where we're going to see God do things that we have never seen him do before. With, you know, with nations, with cities, with regions, with uh, bringing people to himself, calling people to himself, people that we would have given up on. But we're in that moment. And all we have to do is is build our our weapons. We have to get used to using our weapons. These weapons, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for demolishing strongholds and getting rid of those strongholds. You know, like there's a few of us want to call this week and, um, you know, the whole notion of like, so I, I, I know we can be happy. I know we can, you know, look on the bright side of things, but, but can we just be real? And, and the, the thing is, you, you can choose a reality. You can choose the reality that you've been fed through your upbringing, through your disappointments, through your pain, through all. You can, you can, you can focus on that reality, which is, which is really living past to present. You can focus on the reality of being past to present. And if there's one thing the enemy has really been forcing us all to do is to look into the past, even hundreds of years past, I'm from Ireland, so we look thousands of years, a thousand years in the, in the past uh, to bring up old wounds. And we can look, we can do the past to present thing. Or what we can do is we can actually live from this glorious future. Like if we could get it, if I could get it, this isn't just you. If I could get it into my thick skull at times, that this ends well, that my life doesn't just end well, it's not going to be okay. It's going to be as, as amazing as I could possibly have dreamed it. And that what I just have to go, do is, is use these opportunities to build some reps so that I'm building the muscles that I need when I get there. And so that we can ask for something bigger because that's what we're doing. When we're, we're, we're going through this, you know, we're going through these, you know, thought when we're trying to align our thoughts with heaven, we're trying to bring our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ, right? When we're trying to do that, what we're doing is we're saying, I need to take another step because this gets wider, this gets bigger, this gets more. So build your history. David was a man who built a history, and at the end of his life, he didn't die and give up the throne. He actually handed the throne to his son and still lived 
and enjoyed everything. Even though he'd given everything away, he still enjoyed riches and honor and peace and all the, all the goodness of having a son there. So I just pray that that will be our experience. You, that you, you do, I mean, we know you don't quit, you don't give up, all that. But I think at the minute, it's it's we're learning to do those reps in preparation for seeing something that God has never done before in your life. So, Father, I just pray that our expectancy would grow and and the the us trying to work out how this is all going to happen would cease. Us trying to work out how it is you're going to put all these broken pieces together into making the way forward, that we wouldn't figure that out, that we would just move towards the thing that you have actually put in our hearts to do, that we will confidently move towards the thing that you have put in our hearts to do, and that as we move forward, that the sea would part, right? That this is a different transition that as we move forward, that the Jordan would actually part. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, just thinking about that, just being reminded of that, 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 you know, there was the transition of the Red Sea where the Red Sea parted and they walked through, and then there's a transition of the Jordan where they had to walk into the water before the water parted. And, and I think that's the transition we're in and have been in. And that's the type of transition we're going to continue to be in as we move from glory to glory with increasing hope.